Once upon a time, two men decided if they were making the cut. And then they made the cut. And now JT and Aaron are talking everything from wrestling to pop culture and beyond. Because it's no holds barred. Will you back down, turn and run? Or stand up with the best? No holes, Bard. Do you have a lot of corn around your house? A lot of corn? Yeah. Like cornfields? Yeah. It's not really a corn-producing area. I'm sure there's some cornfields, but... What does the area produce? Uh, Besides fucking studs. A lot of shellfish. (laughs) Okay, all right. Coffee milk, um, coffee syrup for coffee milk. What's coffee syrup for? I don't know what that is. See, it's just like a Rhode Island thing. Like, you know, chocolate syrup. Is chocolate a Rhode Island thing? Well, no, but you know what chocolate syrup is? Yes. So in Rhode Island, locally, there's something called coffee syrup, which is like a chocolate or a strawberry or vanilla syrup, but it's like coffee flavored. Oh. And have you ever had like coffee ice cream? I hate the taste of coffee, so no. Okay. Well, it's like that kind of syrup you would put in drinks. So like coffee milk is like a big thing here where you would take the coffee syrup and put it in your milk like you would chocolate. Isn't is that just a cafe au lait? I don't know what that means. Uh, Dale's Lemonade, obviously also a big local. <laughs> you know what my favorite uh, Rhode Island discovery was? Was that pizza without cheese. <laughs> yes. That like you guys, like I, I, someone was telling me it was like, well, no, this is a big Rhode Island thing. I'm like, well, that's that's literally everywhere here. <laughs> like, it's crazy. It had to be brought up there by someone like from this area, because if you go like anywhere else, like even Connecticut, it's like not a thing. That's funny, eh? Like, cause that that's been around as long as I've been alive, and it's a right. very Italian thing here. That's gotta be it, cause Rhode Island's such a heavy Italian population that it must have came up through that or something. Or maybe it came down. Hmm. Maybe we don't, we don't know where that uh, Italian pizza pipeline. <laughs> we'll have started. to do some research on that. <laughs> Please, by the next episode, I'd like a full report on. The immigration so, of the cheeseless pizza. So I've been having a lot of uh, shoulder issues the last few weeks. And I went to PT today and I tried cupping for the first time. Oh, how was that? It was interesting. My back looks like Seamus. <laughs> but yep. I'm doing all right. Um, it was weird. It honestly wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be. Like, they only put it on for like 15 like to 30 seconds or something like okay. i thought you'd like lay there for like 20 minutes with them on or something like, like that, acupuncture you know I mean? yeah i figured it was like that but like she just kept placing them and then we take them off then move them then take them off and she did like eight different spots kind of okay so we'll see if it works i don't know did she cup your balls after just to make sure i felt okay yeah just a little little uh little lift right she was like you're already taking your shirt off i'm like yeah that's fine well, <laughs> are you okay are you okay <laughs> she was not okay right could you stand the heat yeah so did it hurt not really like if you've ever put anything suctiony like on your face or your body like just to like mess around like it just felt like that what suctiony things have you put on your face oh vacuum cleaner no nah, <laughs> like a few uh whatever like you know whatever you would put that like would suck your skin okay all right so i mean it was like a little pain but it didn't really hurt right so yeah and and i mean i guess it's too early to tell the results yeah like right now it doesn't feel much different but she said give her some time like i'm going back tuesday she said we could try it again she says it takes a couple rounds so hopefully it works because if not i'm like at what's end all right is it your dominant hand too yep 
Uh, it's the worst. So you can't throw the baseball. You know. Well, no, I can because it's like I have full motion. It's my muscle like behind my shoulder blade. Okay. So I have like full motion and I could do stuff. It just hurts constantly. And it's like radiating down my arm. So it actually feels better when I'm doing stuff. It's when I'm sitting or standing still is when it hurts the worst. Hmm. So you have a complete inability to relax. Yeah. And even sleep at night. Like I may get like four hours a night, five hours a night right now. because I keep waking up and it just aches. Hmm. It's been like three weeks now, at least. That's awful. I'm sorry yeah. you're going through that. It's no bueno. It's my annual fall injury, apparently. So I, I, go hope that, I hope that by that balls cupping, you'll feel a thousand percent better. Uh, if only she could have. Yeah. All right. Anyway, let's get started. Yep. Uh, we're getting toward the end of the list. We did get some feedback, by the way. Uh, someone's siding with you, Aaron. We got a comment uh, from our last episode. Okay. Saying that uh, they would not put Bobby Heenan on the list because he's the manager. Yeah. I, I mean, like. I remember we talked about it. It's like your argument was really compelling that like mm -hmm. he's like the top heel for that time. But he just spends so little time wrestling. So right. I, I feel he's just one of those guys that um, it's just hard to rank. But thank you for the support in this mm -hmm. heated argument. <laughs> bullshit. Not bullshit. Whoever you are, you're the smartest listener. I'm trying to see uh, if there's a name. It was through Podbean. So it's they don't make it easy to see the feedback here. I'll find it. Okay. Just make sure it's not my burner. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll ensure that. Yeah, there was this other comment. JT is so stupid. Did you see that one? No, I didn't. Oh, that's not nice. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe the guy thought better about it and deleted it. Oh, what a dick. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how to see the comments on here. Oh, wait, right here. Add your comments. Oh, my God. It's making me log in. All right. It's good. Uh, it's good. It's good. <laughs> You can't even like see. Can I not even see the comments? What a pain. All right. We're starting with 31 today. 30. 30. We did through 31 last time. Yeah. 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 All right. I'll try and see if I can get this figured out while we go. Who is your number 30? My number 30 is Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, the Sarge. I have him at 24. Okay. So close. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about him when he comes up on yours? Uh, No, we can do it now if you want. I just think, like, this is a guy that, like, it, it, it's hard to get a grasp on him unless you go back and watch the early 80s stuff. Right. Uh, because you, you remember, I mean, I, I would say, like, most fans our age remember him as the turncoat and then the guy who wants his country back, right? Right. I just want my kids back. I just want my country back. Um, but uh, I think when you go back and watch his old stuff, mm -hmm. I mean, he is an extremely effective heel. In the early 80s, um, when he's facing off against Backland and the, the cadre of faces they have then. And then he becomes, I don't know, like a baby face slightly below Hogan for most of 84. Right. I mean, like when I when you watch those MSGs from 84, he's the headliner on them. Hogan's not even there most of the time. Right. And he, yes. he's got that incredible feud with Sheik. Uh, earlier, he's got the feud with Pat Patterson. So... I just think that like he's such an important cog of that WWF wheel early on, mm -hmm. and he's either top heel or um, face one B, and that's an extremely important part. So I I really loved his work going back and watching it. Do you feel like if they ran with him as the guy, could it have worked? Not as well. Okay. I think is I think he your next best choice, though? I think so. 
And by okay. the way, so let me pause. I finally figured it out. Miles Black, thank you so much. Thanks, he Miles. says, the greatest WWE shows are so frustrating to, to listen to. I like them because I listen to you guys read the phone book, but I shake my head over your guys' opinions. It feels blasphemous at times, like Seth Rollins, Edge, and Owen Hart, and I would not put Bobby Heenan on the list. So uh, uh, thanks, mean, Miles. What, we love the feedback. But what about Seth Rollins, Edge, and Owen Hart? He doesn't elaborate to say if it's like. He just says our opinions such as them. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Miles. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I've heard people say Snuka was a good choice instead of Hogan, but I think it's probably Sarge. Yeah, I think it has to be. And if I mean, if you believe him, right, the main thing, uh, it, it might have been him. He might have stuck around, but he had the G.I. Joe deal and they didn't want to give him the opportunity to um, move forward with having that deal and also sticking around. Right. Wasn't that part of it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So because of the licensing and the name and all that. So, um, yeah, who knows? I mean, I, I think in the end, he probably made the right call, I guess. Like the G.I. Joe stuff was probably super lucrative and uh, made him the face of that franchise and, and, you know, figure line and cartoon and all that. So did you did you know him first as a wrestler or as a G.I. Joe? I think it might have been a G.I. Joe because. Me too. Yeah, me too. Uh, well, yeah, probably because I didn't really watch wrestling until. 90. I think I knew he was a wrestler from it, though. Like, I I didn't think, like, when he showed up, like, oh, the G.I. Joe guy is on wrestling. I think I knew he was a wrestler that did G.I. Joe, but I think I would have saw him first in G.I. Joe. Yeah, I think when he, when I, when he showed up in, like, um, for the Iraq stuff, by that point, I knew he was a wrestler. But when I first saw him on G.I. Joe, he was just like this, oh, my God, here's this tough guy kicking the shit out of Serpentor and all the bats. <laughs> yeah. Killer. Right. So but I wasn't like a super G.I. Joe fan. I liked it. I was more Transformers than G.I. Joe. Um, but I definitely did watch. So, yeah, I would have known him from that. But I, I, I think someone told me it because my brother was a pretty big wrestling fan. as was my dad. So I think like one of them might have said something like he was a wrestler or whatever. What's that wrestler doing over there? It's that guy. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, he's got some classics in that stretch, too. He's a huge star, marketable star. And then it's funny because I think he is definitely someone to me that I came to appreciate more. um like revisiting all his stuff later, like from 91 mm. or whatever, because at the time I don't think I was a big fan of his at all. Yeah. Um, during that era. And, and mostly because, um, I think he had ended the warrior's reign. Like, you know, I was a warrior fan. Like, so that kind of sucked. And Mock. he just seemed old and boring to me as a kid, but going back to watch like, and you know, Scott and I just did recently for place to be podcast within the last few years, we relived the MSGs and the pay-per-views in that era. I mean, he's awesome. Like, he is so good at that character. And I know it's a it's a questionable character choice, right? Because of right. the more fear-mongering and the jingoism and all that. But he, I mean, he really owns the role. Like, and I get why he did it, because I don't think it, he gets nearly that push without it. Because even when he first comes back, he's just like the drill sergeant, right? He's not really doing that yet. Yeah, the I don't mean know they had, drill sergeant. Right. And I don't, to me, he doesn't feel like he's going to elevate to that level like early on. It isn't until he adds Adnan and really leans into the war stuff that it picks up speed. But his matches, the Hogan, are all great. Uh, I love the WrestleMania 7 match. I think it's an underrated classic. His, uh, the boot camp match, MSG, is really, really good. Even the, even the Warrior moment, like the match is fine, but the moment is great when he wins the title. Um, you know, he has saddled like, like bulk off and stuff in there too, but he's got, I think he's got a fun match with Tito at some point. So he's definitely got good stuff when he's given the right guys to work with. Um, I don't think it's his fault that they stuck him in that 
tepid match at SummerSlam. I mean, it, it's no. not on him at all, right? He did his best to give him the situation there. Shouldn't have been that. If you were going to have him last that long, just do the boot camp match there. But right. uh, as we've talked about, I had across all of our shows. Like, that just should not have happened at all. Um, at that point, they should have been done. But And, and then, you know, he, he tapers from that. But even in, like, the 92 Rumble, he's a lot of fun. Yeah, that you know, he's well, good. he makes Sid. Makes Sid look like a killer. Right. He's good there. And then I know, like, in you know, to Miles's point, like, you know, there's this weird line about in-ring and not in-ring, but he is really good as, like, commissioner. He does have the match with Triple H, which I know is a little long, but, like, he is active in that role, and then eventually as a stooge as well. So he's got some mileage, and then he's, I know he's got a random couple comeback matches here and there in the 2000s, but um, I feel like unless you really looked into his early 80s stuff and, and revisited the early 90s, this may seem super high to have him there. Um, at, you know, 24 for me, but I, I just think he has the it factor. He hits all the buckets. He's got a, a bunch of moments. He's a great promo. He could be a heel. He could be a face, like both work well. Um, you know, even the, I want like country back. They did it twice. It's effective both times. Like, so it's like, it's all there for him. Um, and he's got classics as a heel and a face too. He's got the, uh, stuff with backland and, uh, or I should, um, I meant Patterson, He's got the stuff with Hogan as a heel, and then he's got the stuff with Sheik as a face. So, like, he definitely touches, you know, across the board. And he's a marquee star. He's, you could argue, like, everyone always, oh, Hogan, Piper, Rock. But, I mean, I feel like he doesn't get mentioned enough, probably, for yeah. um, for how well-known and popular in the zeitgeist he is. Absolutely. And I think you hit it on the head when you're like, it's like, if, if you haven't rewatched these things, you th- you probably put them on the list, like, because you feel like you have to. Right. Like, oh, he feels like a guy you have to put on. But as you watch him, it's like, oh, my God, this guy's a great seller, a great worker. Yep. Like, so, yeah, he rises. He raised. He he rose a lot in my list from last time. Yep. Agreed. OK, uh, so my 30 is ready to rumble. Um, a guy I'm probably going to move down based on our past conversations on him already. And that's Tito Santana. I don't think we have to reinvent the wheel in this discussion. I feel like we've gotten into it multiple times. Yep. Um, I know the comparisons, this current guys, him and everything you throw out there. Uh, but I do think he's great, especially in the early eighties. Uh, I do think he carries a lot of name value, even into his job of the star era where it makes a lot of those matches mean more when he's in them versus other guys against barbarian against warlord, you know, like guys like that. Like, do they get as over if they're fighting, other dudes, or is it Tito selling an effort that he puts in and his name value make those just as important, right? Because that's a piece of this too. Like, is the name value that he built up and the credibility? If you stick Coco, or I mean, like, I would put Coco below him, the pecking order, but whoever, Barry Horowitz, yeah, right? Like, it's not going to get as over as Tito, right? Because Tito's a valuable name. Uh, he's also got the Strike Force run, he's won multiple titles, the Valentine matches, um, El Matador. Yep, the Matador, of course, great character. Uh, great but the Brainbusters match, you know, he's he carries that load right for Strike Force, and that's a great match. He takes a shit kicking by the Brainbusters throughout that. So um, I just think he's a real valuable hand. I think he's uh, a great worker. I, I would say one of his limits is probably right that he can't never really work teal. So we don't know in the WF at least like how to balance that. I guess. Face wise, I think he's a great face, a lot of fire, and fans are always super into him. So I'm gonna move him down just because I have a bunch of people to move up based on going through this list. I see him settling maybe more in like the forties or fifties. Like he's not going to drop a ton for me, but I could see why maybe, you know, when I had him this high, it was based a lot on work and less on like, um, like the big time matches. Right. Versus some of the other guys. 
Yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree that he is, I'm sure I made this point, he's a super valuable piece of the puzzle, at, like, to, to the promotion, uh, especially during that time. I just think that, like, for me, it's always, it goes back to those comparables. And, like, those comparables that I have with him don't get higher than, like, like you're kind of saying, like, in the 40s, mm-hmm. 50s. So, to me, that's just where he goes. But that doesn't mean I don't love him and think he's great. Like, right. I, I think he's a tremendous babyface. I think he's maybe one of the greatest babyfaces of all time. I just feel that by the time you get to, like, 87, 88, despite the fact that he's with Strike Force, the whole rest of his career is just putting guys over, which is good right. and important. But, I mean, I don't blame him for this, but they, they also never put him in a position to, like, really put someone over. To right. make them like, I mean, Barbarian and Warlord beat him at pay-per-views and maybe it's just the Barbarian and Warlord that don't bounce up as a consequence. But I don't I don't see that. I don't see that. Well, then I would say that led to Barbarian's most successful stretch. Right. I mean, he does elevate a bit. He's fighting Hogan at Survivor Series in that final. He's feuding with Boss Man like that's I mean, he's pretty up the card. He also feuds with Brett for the IC title sure, in 91. But... So, like, I think that helped get him established as a solo act at Mania 6. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I buy that, but I-, I could see it, but I don't know if I buy it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he could have beat anybody there and it would have been the same trajectory. I don't know. I think the resume saying he defeated Tito Santana at WrestleMania was like big for him because Tito at that point hadn't become like a mania jobber yet. Right. Because the year before was the, the match of Brainbusters. Before that, he's in the tag title match. So like fighting Tito and beating him at mania still a decent meaning at that point like he hadn't really settled into a job role in 89 he's still feuding with martell and everything so i, I by 91 when he loses to the mountie i i would say so yes he's like he's kind of cooked by then but i would say in, in march of 90 he's still like a decent name on the card and i mean he's in the finals of the IC tournament and puts over perfect in that great mania ma- in that seismic event match in july so like he's still like a name yeah but look, I, I will say this and maybe someone would disagree with me on this and it's totally possible but, like, I remember watching at the time thinking, like, there's no way Tito's winning that type, that, that tournament. Um, it felt like it felt like a like, especially when it got down to him imperfect. Like, whenever I found with Tito Santana post that, it's always like, what? No, come on. Like, even that match with on Saturday's main event, which I love with perfect. It's like, oh, my God, I can't believe that, like, Tito almost pulled it out. Right. I think that feels I think the tournament final was like. I don't know, 65, 35, perfect. Whereas the Sanders main event match would have been way more of a shock because perfect is now, well, he's more now established. He's got Bobby like, because Bobby's not with him. He's without genius. He just lost to Hogan. Like, right. As, I mean, you covered it all on wrestle. That was a perfect, but it's like, I don't think it was like a, a lock stock and barrel in that tournament. It seemed likely, but I don't think it, I don't think Tito winning would have been a massive shock. Whereas I think Sanders main event would have been a massive upset for sure. Yeah, I guess I guess just like of, of the faces in that tournament, he probably felt the least believable. Well, I'd say Beefcake was the most for sure. Yeah. Um, who else is in it? Snooka. Snooka didn't. No, I would say Santana over Snooka at that point. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I like. I I would think that like Snooka. Snooka had done shit right? since he came back. Right. I mean, he, he literally hadn't been losing either, right? Like. Yeah, I mean, just lost rude. Yeah. Um, who else? Uh, who's the other fourth face on that? Rooster? No, was Rooster in it? Was it Duggan? No, he's gone. I don't think it's Duggan. I forget who it is now. Um, I'll look it up. Looking it up. 
It's uh, Santana beats Akeem. Perfect beats Snuka. Beefcake. Yeah, it's all weird, eh? Piper. <laughs> oh, Piper was the other guy. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, it's funny. Yeah, like, he's more credible, but I couldn't imagine him winning the title either. So. No, no. All right. Uh, so I think we've said all that needs to be said on Tito. Uh, and probably, probably the next guy, too. It's 29. I got Greg Valentine. I think he's in the same boat. Like, he's going to move down for me. I think he's got a thicker resume, I believe, because I know he's got the backland match. Um, I really like the dream team stuff as well, but I, I would say they're about as similar as it gets. I mean, cause their, their peak is probably a feud together, I guess, uh, which is awesome. So they both get that. And then hammer kind of stays along the same route as Tito does right toward the end. He uses his name value to get guys over, um, great worker, uh, pretty much to heal the entire time. Other than the little blip as a face at the very end, right. Rhode Island loves him. Yes, yes, they do. Uh, he's a big fan of the pizza. So I would say, <laughs> I would say they're going to end up back to back. It just will be slide down the list a little bit more. Like I could see them moving down below Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, like guys like that for me. Yeah, I think. Yeah, like so. So my my comparables, and just to to lay it out one last time, is that like I think Tito, Valentine, Dolph, and Kofi. Mm-hmm. And I think Dolph is close to Tito and Kofi's close to Valentine. Like in that, like Greg Valentine. Kofi's Kofi. an interesting one. Yeah. Like, I think Kofi has the highest high of the four. Yes. And, but I think we forget how good he was from like his run from say like Oh nine to like when he forms the new day, I feel is like almost on par with Santana's like intercontinental run. Yeah, I would argue Kofi probably of the four should be the highest. So That's who that'll I have be some work for me to do. Yeah, like right I think. I have, it, it, yeah, right now I have them: Kofi, Valentine, Ziggler, Santana. Right. And I might be. I mean, I'm sure there's people that hate Ziggler, uh, but but like I just there's just so much high with him. Like, and even the lows are more like, oh, uh, he's not really doing anything, as opposed to anything actually bad. Right. I guess except when he's stealing Lana, that was pretty shitty. Yeah, I'd probably have Dolph last of the four. Um, <laughs> it's just me, but I don't think the rest is wrong. I mean, obviously, I have Valentine higher than Tito, so for me, I think it's a Kofi issue. I just don't have him high enough, Maybe. so I think I got to bring him up and then bring those guys down. But they're not going to drop to like the '80s for me or anything like that. Like I think they're no. going to be more, more in like, the middle of the stretch. Like someone else on your list should. All right, my twenty-nine. <laughs> uh, my twenty-nine is. Um, a guy that like I you know I've maligned a lot until I did the wrestler that was, and uh, really explored, and that's Jake Roberts. Um, for all the talk, the conclusion I came to was that for all the talk about how he never delivered in the big matches, and it's all true, right? But I just I can't think of anyone who got m- more personally invested in feuds than Jake, except for maybe Randy Savage, right? And Every single feud was a blood feud. Every single thing mattered. Everything he did was like a main event program. It was all over. It all worked. Yeah, the matches didn't always deliver. Um, Some of them were actually quite bad. But he made you care, and that feels like a big quality. So that's why I ended up bumping him more than punishing him for those bad matches. Right. Uh, Did we cover Jake on mine yet? I think we ha- I had him a while ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I had him at 53. I, I did have a note to move him up, though. So, 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think everything you, you talked about makes sense. Uh, you know, again, another guy you covered, like you just mentioned, really in depth on the wrestler that was lacking perhaps those big time matches, but he's loaded with moments. His promo skills are top notch. Uh, so I, I think it feels like this trip through the list, you and I both in agreement that we're putting less stress on like, oh, where are all the matches? Right. So, right. Um, which was my fo- almost my entire focus last time. Right. Right. Yes, which I think definitely is going to cause a seismic shift in your in your list substantially. So, um, like, is Jake is Jake take away all the matches? Does he have a case to be the best professional wrestler of all time? Just on skill. I mean, uh, I um, I think it depends on what you value in skill, right? Because like he's not the most athletic. So if you're more of a fan of fast-paced, hard-hitting matches, right? Like I could see putting, like you know, he's not on our list because of everything around him, but like like a Benoit or something, you know, I mean, like like whatever, yeah. um, above him, right? But if you're more into stories. psychological stories, et cetera, et cetera, um, I could see that being, you know, more of a lean towards him. I actually think he is a very um, I think he's like a good comp to Scott Hall. Mm. Like just really, really damn good in the ring. Great promo, psychologically sound, right? Like has emotional stories, not the most, you know, athletic guy. I think, I think Hall has better high end matches, Yeah, but I think he was also put in position more to do that. Like if Jake had a ladder match with Shawn Michaels, you know, <laughs> we may get something similar to WrestleMania 10, right? We get a Maybe. snake going up the ladder. That'd be great. Right. So I think that's part of it. Um, as well. So uh, I don't know if I'd say he's a case of the best ever, unless that you really value like in ring psychology over like athleticism. Yeah. I, I wouldn't like, I, I don't think I would say it either. Like when, when I think of like, you know, who is the best pro wrestler of all time? I, like sometimes I try to think about it, like just in terms of like a snapshot, like if you took one person at their best, is it the greatest performance of all time, right? And I'm curious if he checks enough boxes to just be in the conversation. Like la- last time, I would have told you emphatically, absolutely not. Right, right. This time, I'm like, uh, maybe. I don't know. Like, you know, I always kind of think maybe Brock is that guy. Maybe Brock at his peak, like as a as as a putting everything together, might be the best pro wrestler ever. But maybe Jake is in that conversation. I don't know. Right. All right. So that was your 29. Yeah. Okay. Who's your 28? My 28 is someone who's moving way down my list, but on my first pass, I put him up there and that's Johnny Gargano. Yeah. I had him lower. I had him at 48. What's your reasons for moving him down? I, I know we talked about him a bit, I believe, but. Well, the more I thought, cause like I put him on the list originally because like you can't deny his match resume. Like it's, it's incredible, his match resume and how important a, a figure he was to NXT. So that's why I originally had him at this position of 28. Uh, but right. now, but then I, but then I started as we're just talking about things and we talked about Ciampa, we talked about Adam Cole and I kept coming back to the fact of like, yeah, they're great matches, but I never want to watch them again. So then what do I do with that? Like. Does that actually make it a great match or not if I never want to sit down and experience it again? I remember loving it the first time, but like dreading watching it again. So I've kind of I've kind of made an agreement with myself to kind of almost put those three guys in the middle of the list. 
like right. reward reward their great matches, but like not too much since clearly I don't want to see them again. And then how many of them are on the list? <laughs> like that's what I run into, right? Like at some point I just run out of space. So if you want him, Champa, Cole, um, all right, like all those other guys we've talked about, right? Like I mean, I mean, how much does NXT make a run? Done strong? Like I, I mean, I guess it, it is what it is. I think it just values like how you view NXT versus you know, guys that were doing it with less opportunities at, at bigger cards. Right. So, um, yeah. but they were a big deal. Like they were beloved and they were, they were the highlight of the weekend for a stretch of time due to those guys a lot of the time. So as of right now, I, I have Cole Ciampa Gargano kind of bunched together in the middle and I'll probably assume they're going to stay close to there. Yeah. That's, that's what I think too. I mean, like, look, there was a period of time where NXT better or worse was the best promotion that like everyone loved watching. Right. Right, and, yeah. it, and it was when those guys were on top. So that does. But to your me. point, rewatching them, like you know, we just said eighteen, nineteen for war. Like I'm definitely not in a rush, um, <laughs> you know, to go back and rewatch like Cole Gargano at New York, stuff like that. Like I'm okay. Well, and Gargano, Gargano is the first guy in NXT where mm-hmm. I re- that I remember them shifting to the three match formula. Right. Because they didn't have that before. And then with Gargano and Ciampa, it became, okay, we're going to do three matches. Then Gargano, Cole, it's three matches. And, you know, like, it's always that three match. And that's the the main roster, like, formula, mm-hmm. which I think makes everything super stale. So if, like, if there was space in between their matches, maybe we're having a completely different conversation. Right? Like, right. if they had three matches over three years, okay, maybe I wouldn't have burnt out on them. But when it's every pay, every pay, every special, and they're all super long and emotional yeah. and drawn out and in depth, and nothing beats any of them. Like you have to run them over with a tank to like put them down right. for a three count, right? Yep. All right, my twenty-eight. Uh, I have him the same spot I had last time, and that's Christian. Uh, you're lower on him, right? Yes. Um, he's gonna be closer to. He's gonna be closer to fifty for me. Yeah, I know it feels high, but I, I just I guess I viewed like I had Steamboat at 31, Santana, Valentine, Christian, and then the next guy like all feel similar to me. Like they never broke into the top of the card, yeah. but to me, they feel like the elite worker group of like that next tear down. And he's got so many classic matches and I, I feel like we've had this exact discussion, so we don't need to, again, dive into it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we, we talked about specifically with Matt Hardy, like how much does he play into those matches? Right. Um, but he is a part of it. Him and Edge were uh, a big driver of the tag team resurgence 2000. I think specifically there, them, them becoming characters is what helped bring that division up along with the Dudleys becoming wild. You know, I think those are the two things that really elevated the division. Like if Edge and Christian stay milk toast, I don't know if that really pops off as much as it did, well, uh, but I all their stuff with Angle and Foley and all that, like helped bring them to the next level. Yeah. You're not wrong. I think you, you, you have to throw the Hardys being the daredevils in there too, though. Yeah, I it's think a, all three of the perfect them. storm. It's the perfect storm of the three. But if they don't develop into the the heel smarmy heel, the Hardys and Dudleys don't have a team to bounce off to go against. That's like the angry, like that that they turn into the perfect chicken shit top heel team, right? That just like keeps somehow always escaping with the belts, no maybe matter TNA. what. These maybe TNA would have teams. developed. Probably not. So they, they probably don't have that team in place. Um, yeah. Maybe they have to keep Dudley's heel, like who knows? Or they try and force Road Dog and X Pac or something like that, but. Um, Edge of Christian going to the next level really helped bring them up. Um, and then even, you know, I, I, his late era stuff is excellent. 
I think he's just really, really strong as a TV worker during that stretch. Uh, he's got the Del Rio stuff, the Orton stuff. Obviously, the Orton series are like all-timers, right? And those all hold up really well. Marcus and I covered a lot of those in that season we did for War. Um, and they were all excellent. There was no, to me, there was no letdown uh, on those at all. They all they all hold up wonderfully. Uh, and uh, even in the middle stretch, this stuff with T- Tomko, the feud of Jericho, the Trish heel turn, like just all that stuff to me holds up super well um, across the board. So he, he's someone to me that really resonates and I've always enjoyed them as a team. And then I think his solo work was great too. Uh, he's got the little quiet stretch there and like, Oh, one Oh two when he splits off of edge, but I think he figures it out once he cuts the hair. So, I mean, maybe high, but again, he's got like a ton of bangers on his resume um, that he's a big driving force in. Yeah. I, I don't. So, so Christian's a guy I've really come around on and not just for this list. Like, like I, I you know, on my last list, I had edge way higher than Christian and this time Christian's going to be higher than edge. But the more I watch this guy, the more I really enjoy his in-ring work. I don't know if I can right. go as high as as you on the fact that I don't really like his character in terms mm-hmm. of like what it brings to the show. Um, I don't feel like that 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 I, I'm not invested in anything Christian does, who I am, other people. Right. For me. But I but yeah. I don't disagree that like I find him hard to rank. Like, because his, his career is really good. Like, everything post-2011 is excellent. Like, and you're right, the right. only real downtime is the uh, the long-haired, kind of, not knowing Whiny heel. Yeah. un-Americans. But, you know, but even though, even they were, like, positioned well, and he was entertaining in that, um, it's really that early 02 that's, like, the quiet, shitty stretch. Because by 03, he's in that IC feud with Booker, he's good. Um, then he's teaming with Jericho, like that whole stuff, the match with Lita and Trish. And, um, also Oh five, he gets so over that, like people were clamoring for him to be the guy to beat Cena, become world yeah. champion. Like that was a big thing. And then he left because like he was pissed, you know, and they, right. he felt like he was never going to get elevated. Uh, but I think he was ready to get elevated in Oh five. Like, I think that's a time where a lot of people were super invested in him and they could have taken the next step with him. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. He's probably hurt a bit by his size. He's not that small, but like. He's skinny. That's the problem. Yeah. And he always looked weird in his tights. Right. So, but yeah, uh, I won't disagree. He's great. Like, and whereas again, last time I was uh, disagreeing, maybe he'd even be on the list. Right. So mm-hmm. still have evolved with Christian. <laughs> All right. My 27 um, is another guy that's going to move down. He's close to the Valentine Tito pairing and that's the model rick martell uh you know <sighs> he's got to move way down i don't know if it's gonna be way down but he'll move down he, he's probably gonna be right with tito and valentine because he's again a similar guy he's got some great stuff in the early 80s um i love him as a face tag guy i think i think i wish he got another face run in wdf like if he could have stuck around in the mid 90s when they needed the depth, like 95, 96 is a, is a high upper mid card face with the type of run he brings out in WCW in 97, like could have been really fun. Let him go back to that because the fire he was showing a lot of those strike force matches were great. Um, I think around the time we were doing the first list was when I was watching a lot of those like strike force Islanders matches and stuff like that. Um, but he's, right. he's just really, to me, he's really sharp. One of the most sharp, one of the most indelible characters too, as a heel. Like everyone knows the model. He's got some really good feuds, especially the Jake one. So, uh, and of course, Tito's never ending. So I, again, I think like Valentine and Tito, I probably went high on the, I know he's a great worker vibe. Right. Um, right. 
but I think, yes, I, again, I probably a guy I've moved down when I'm looking at the list again that we've been talking about, like Hardy, like an Orton, Charlotte, you know, Jake, even Triple H. I had like way below him. So like, like there are other guys that probably now would move up. And I, I think him, Valentine, Tito, Steamboat, of the four, I'll probably shift down and keep scrunched together. Would you have, would you have, you're going to have Martell ahead of Valentine and Tito? Uh, I did here, probably not, but I think they'll be tight. I think like, I, I imagine the four of those guys being pretty bunched. How do you compare them to a guy like Mr. Perfect? I feel like Perfect, nah, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I feel like Perfect got more opportunities Yeah. and came up short. Whereas these guys didn't get as much of those opportunities. When they did, it was early in the 80s when it's not as visual, visible. Um, and it's just a different era. So by the time like the main stretch comes along, they're kind of starting to wind down a bit. Right. Maybe Martel got some of the chances he got, but not really. Like perfect got main event matches. You just talked about it in the podcast, right? Like yeah. that match with Hogan feels like a fart bomb. Uh, he should have been a top level guy. He never really gets that shot to be that guy in ninety. He, like when they were desperate for heels. Yeah. Um, you know, outside of the two matches with Brett, like where's the other big stuff, right? Like the Sean match is kind of a disappointment. So I feel like Perfect's ranking to me was based more on, it was like DiBiase, right? I think, I think we compared those two. Like two guys that got a lot of chances that seem to come up short a lot, but their characters are so awesome that they're still buoyed right. up. I just, yeah, like it, it's a hard thing, right? Like it's like, how do you, how do you rank potential? Right. Like if Martel was in the perfect spot, would he have done better? I don't know. Like just, there's right. no way to know. But, but that being said, not to throw back to the matches, but does Martel have anything that rivals those, those Brett, let's just don't say those Bret Hart matches, not to rank perfect entirely on that. Right. Yeah. Like, no, probably not off the top of my head. Like perfect was a good worker though. It's right. just whatever, for whatever reason, the matches didn't click. And yeah. there's a lot of matches with Martel where it just doesn't click too. Right. And I would say Tito and Valentine have, at least close to those, right? Yes. Valentine for sure between the back line and the matches with each other. So yeah, they're they're closer. So yeah, I, Martel definitely was probably on my original list, like the most overrated guy I had. Yeah, like when I was watching the MSGs, I liked him in the team with Tony Korea, mm. but it felt like oh, he's a solid tag guy. Right. And I love Strike Force; it'll always be one of my favorites. But it's funny, eh? When I think back, I think back more on Tito than I do him. All right, who's your twenty-seven? Uh, Jeff Hardy. Okay, he is my. Oh, we already talked about him. He was my 35. He's gonna move up for sure. Yeah, like see, that's to me. This is like the perfect example of a guy who needs to be ahead of all those guys. Right. Yeah, I would agree. And it's just because like he he's got a sneaky little great career, like all the tag stuff we talked about. Then he breaks out. He's kind of the hardcore guy for a while. He's got that intercon that that one day intercontinental run. Uh, then he's kind of like teetering to almost on the edge of being a main eventer in the early 2000s, uh, goes away for a while, comes back, and then is a main eventer. Mm -hmm. Like, And then, I mean, everything, everything like post, I don't know, 2017 Hardy is like gravy too. And right. he just becomes this really solid part of every show. And lots of great memorable moments, uh, multiple-time world champion, great matches. Right. Not a and good we, moment, and when we did the first list, he hadn't had the comeback yet. So, because right. that was what? What did we do? In 17, I guess they had just come back. But, That's right. Um, so yeah, that definitely adds on to it. I, he'll be a guy that probably, I actually had him at 27, I guess last time. So oh. I don't know why I moved him down when I did this cut of the list, but, um, he'll definitely move back up. 
He'll probably be right around here. Yeah, and and, and huge what if guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I yes. mean, if this, if he could have just you know kept it together, is he top ten? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, then, right. Because he burns out in 03 when they were really trying to get, but they kept trying to get behind him. Yeah, and then again in 09 or 08 when he, you know, at, at the end of 07 he goes over Triple H and they're lining him up. They guess pops or the drugs. He comes back in 08 and they got to rebuild him again to 09. Then he finally wins the belt. Then he leaves. So it's like, right. It's like, right. What could have been in that stretch? Yeah. And I mean, so many incredible moments. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that that first uh, tit win when he like stre- he runs across the top right. of two ladders to get it. You know, that's such an incredible thing. All the all the TLC stuff, the Undertaker mm-hmm. match, um, you know, even bringing it. He, he's the one who kind of gets RVD over when RVD yep. comes in too. So, and that's just in his first run, you know, and never mind that like he, he's like RVD in a way that like every one of his matches was exciting to watch. Agreed. I don't really have much else to say. <laughs> He'll definitely move up on mine. Uh, all right. Who is your 26? My 26 is the nature boy, Ric Flair. All right. I, I think we had him a little bit lower. I had him at 44. Uh, all right. Well, I just, I just made a, a long case. I was going to say, you probably don't need to say much more. <laughs> the rest of that was, you did an, like an hour and 45 minute podcast. If you just look for that on this network, you can hear it. All of Aaron's thoughts are on Flair's entire career. Uh, I'm about halfway through. I would say echo a lot of the sentiment. Like I think his heel stuff in 92, um, is top notch. That whole run is excellent. I think it is spyer as you go through the 2000s, but he still has some classics. We'll give him the chance. Uh, I, I think you wouldn't think of him as like being high in this WF list versus like an all time list or a WCW list. But I think his career is kind of underrated from a WF WWE scale. You know, I think it does get overlooked. Uh, that said, it's crazy that he really has been retired in that world since 2008. <laughs> so it's been a I long know. time since he's been out, but. Yeah, look, yeah, and I think, I mean, I've said it in the podcast, but just my basic thesis is that, like, you know, he's got that all-time great run in 91 to 93, but then don't sleep on that second run. Right. Because there's there's not just a little bit of greatness in it. There's a lot of greatness. Like, and there's some really cool blood feuds, and even when he's not in the main event mix, there's, it's, it's good. Like, it's just not, it's just not five-star Ric Flair from 1989. Right. And I think if you can get past that, when I say you, I don't mean you, but you might be able to have a bit more of an open mind to his overall. Like, he, he, you know, his career in the WWF is like almost eight years. Yes. I mean, that's more than Owen Hart. You know, that's more than the Ultimate Warrior. That's more, like, it's, it's more than a lot of people that you, right away, you'd think like, oh my God, this guy's a WWF guy, right? Yeah, and I think what does hurt a little bit, too, is that middle of that run where he becomes just a guy. Uh, I think it's kind of post-owner pre-evolution, right? Is, you know, the infamous ones where he loses to Rico on TV, (laughs) you know, that stretch. And then I think, again, in like 06, 07, you can see why they decided to wind him down when he's like doing the the legend stuff more where he's remember he's in that survivor match with these teams with Piper. And I mean, Piper just looks awful. Right. And so he's like, he's teaming with them and that's coming off the hardcore run, which 
was obviously a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. But that 07 into the retirement angle, you could feel it petering out. So um, I think he's just a guy that has some really good stretches during that, that spot. But I, I, I mean, I don't think I'd move him up this high, probably on my list. But I think, you know, I, I had him at 44 the year before the t- list before I had him at 37. So he'll be in there somewhere, probably in the 40s, low 40s. Right. Yeah, makes sense. You're 26. Okay. My 26 is Ray Mysterio. Yeah, so I had him at 40. Okay. Go ahead. Why is he so high? Well, I think he's similar to the guys we've talked about, but he actually has more tangible stuff, right? Like with matches. And although I will say um, <laughs> he may move down based on 2022, um, being factored <laughs> in, right? Like a lot of that's been kind of rough with Dominic. I just think he's super over. Uh, throughout most of the stretch. I don't, I don't think his influence on the success of like SmackDown and the Latino market and all that, like can be downplayed when him and Eddie Guerrero were running the show in 04, 05, like SmackDown did really well with that demographic. And I know that's specific, but it, to me, it like, it matters. Like that's why he was, you know, bringing in or, or not why he was, but he was bringing in and keeping glued a, a whole subset of fans that maybe were not, you know, catered to previously. Um, he was always the king of the cruiserweight division. Like when he was involved in it, it felt more important and bigger. Okay. He's got all the tag stuff with Edge um, during the SmackDown Six. He's got the match with Angle in his debut, and you know even some of the stuff with Chavo up and down at times, but still uh, some really really high level stuff mixed in there as well. Uh, and then just on and off the road has come back. I mean, he's got the really fun match with Cena for the vacant title, the great feud with Punk going into WrestleMania 26. So, I mean, he's Rey Mysterio, right? Uh, not as good as his WCW run, but still uh, one of the most over faces in company history with, you know, a really solid resume of matches. You know, well, I'm actually looking forward to you and uh, Marcus covering uh, him in 09 when he has this feud with Jericho. Yes, that too. Yep. It, it's excellent like that is maybe my favorite feud of that that year um yeah i mean i mean he might be a bit low at 40 like as i'm looking at my list there's a few guys he's definitely gonna go above but for me my trouble with him is that he was never able in my eyes to take that next step right to be like you know to, to go up to the main event and have the main event level great matches yeah, it's just tough, too, because I think so much with him was presentation. Like, when they finally give him a push, it's too late. It's sim- Like, that 06 was like they tried to make up to all the guys they should have pushed years ago, like him and RVD. Um, and then they, they build the whole thing around Eddie. He never had a shot. You know what I mean? And he's jobbing a colleague clean. Like, it just they just made him. They just had no interest in putting him over. Like, I don't think they would have even given the belt if the Eddie thing hadn't happened. Well, and look, there's probably an argument to be made. He shouldn't be world champion. Right. Like, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just like, I think he's, he's a, he's the quintessential guy who's like, who can be mid, like top of the mid card forever. But that's such a valuable part of your show mm-hmm. that like, oh my God, we have this guy who does this incredible thing. Because once he goes up to that main event level, it's to me, it's just not credible anymore. Right. right? It depends who he's fighting. But that being said, I don't mind when he has like a one-off against the undertaker at the Royal Rumble. It's interesting. He doesn't win, but it's interesting. That's the kind of stuff that's interesting. It like when he's suddenly world champion defending against all comers, I struggle with it. Right. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, and again, based on these last couple of years, like I think there's a chance he moves down. Uh, some of the stuff just hasn't fully resonated. Plus the eye stuff was oh, really God. stupid. Um, I know I don't really factor in the Thunderdome too much, but that was my that was eye. Our time. 
it was all time bad. I do think he's just a big enough star. They deserves to be pretty up high. Um, but again, I can see a world where I, I think him, Martel, Valentine, Tito, Steamboat have a heavy influence by some of the content I was listening to around that era and some of the matches I was watching during that time. And, and just to focus on, I know these guys are great workers. They should be high. Right. Um, I think that kind of ends with him. I think everyone I have above is like stars. Yeah. So I feel okay with it, but it's this twenties. You can see I definitely struggled with right over the last couple of times. Like it was, <laughs> it was littered with dudes who I think what I did was I took like, okay, here are my top 25 guys and they're all superstars. Right. And then below that was like, all right, well, here are the guys I know of like the best workers. I think that's kind of how I did it. And it was just like a gut, like here are my best workers guys. Well, so. and, and it's funny thing. Like you didn't go wrong. It's just, it's just what it is. That was your list. That's no big deal. Like, but, um, it's funny eh? because like when I'm doing the rest of the was I'm, I'm trying to as much as possible cut a difference between work and matches. Right. Like Jake feels like a great worker, but he doesn't have great matches. Right. What I mean? And it's, it's, it's what maybe the work then was just different. Like Mm -hmm. when you look at those eighties guys, like part of the work was that like when I'm watching it, like nothing looks fake. Right. Like, oh, no, no, he punched him. Like, it, it, nothing looks fake, whereas now you can see a lot of the mechanics, right? Right, So yes. it's someone like Jeff Hardy, for example. Jeff Hardy could never throw punches well, right? Right. Is he a, is he a, a better worker than Jake Roberts who or, or Greg Valentine, right, who, who had – who everything was solid and looked real versus now Jeff Hardy has, like, this cadre of, like, a list, long list of incredible matches. Like, it, I just find it's a really interesting balance, mm-hmm. like where you put it. And that's why, like, as much as I might bust your balls about Martell and stuff, like your list is your list, right? It's fine that you wanted to put him there. And, and even if you keep him there, you know, it's everybody's parameters are going to be that little bit different. Yeah. I think over the last five years, I've probably started to focus more on the other stuff, right? More of the intangibles and the, um, consistency versus just like oh i know this guy's a great worker when you're looking at the context of this promotion so all right uh so we're at my 25 yeah okay so here's where we hit my stars we already covered one sergeant slaughter i think the rest we haven't talked about at all so uh my 25 is batista okay i have him at 24 okay um mega star yeah i I think i don't think we appreciated him enough at the time honestly Uh, a guy historically time has been really nice to even the t- even the stretches where I thought, looking back, uh, like he had that down period, rewatching a lot of stuff for PTB, I, like way off. Like like he's great in 07. He's really still great in 08. Um, we know like 09 and 10 is awesome because of the when he turns on Ray and the stuff with Cena and Hollywood Dave. Uh, I think he got unfairly maligned in 2014, but I think he's one of the best parts of the Evolution reboot before he leaves. Yeah. Uh, to me, the only real down piece is the. New York match with Triple H. Give me what I want. But that's like whatever. I mean, who cares at this point? Um, so yeah, I would say all in. This is like, and and I might mention like obviously all the Triple H matches, the Cena matches are great. Uh, the SummerSlam 08 I just watched for PTB was awesome. So there's like, and I'm really digging his rise too in the 0405 watching that for War. So yeah, a mega star. Like to me, he belongs in this top quarter which to me are all like the biggest stars in company history Did you call him a maga star mega he is the opposite of a maga star oh actually. yeah he, he'd, he'd call you you get an angry tweet from him um yeah batista's great um all of his stuff holds up as i as i was watching his old stuff i just kept thinking like fuck why didn't they just run with this dude like right 
But I get it. They thought he was old or whatever. But yeah. I was gonna say that's a big part of it is that he's old. Yeah. But it, he was old, but it didn't matter. You right. know, like, I mean, maybe he doesn't leave in 2010 if he's actually positioned as the as like one of the faces of the. More yeah, I don't remember. Why did he leave? Was it personal stuff? Was he burnt out, or was I mean, it because he felt like? Well, at the time, he said shit like he didn't like where the product was going. Right. Like, was I think old. it was the PG. He wanted it more to be like the edgier stuff. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he went out and kind of did his own thing. But yeah, his 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 rise is great. His 05 is really good. Even like he just gets so unfairly maligned after he wins that title. Yeah. Because they do that switch and they do the fucking laziest thing where they just put him in a feud with JBL. But right. like it doesn't mean anything now because JBL's the guy who who like lost the title. Like he's a loser. He's been beaten down, you know? Whereas right. Cena gets to feud with Angle and Jericho and all these, you know. Guys who have been up and down, but are like at least on the upward trajectory. And even the JBL stuff is brief. Like he's quickly into the Eddie stuff, which is really good. Um, yeah, and and then he's hurt. And, yeah, well, yeah, and Eddie dies. And I think Eddie right. dying, like, I mean, besides fucking up everything for his family, but, but like that, I, I think that really right. hurts their plans. Yeah. Right? Because he doesn't defend that title for like, I think it's like three straight pay per views. Yeah. And then I think, then he's hurt. And I think, I think his worst run is at 06 come back up until the t- up until no way out when they do the tag yeah. i think it's this worst stretch i think the the booker stuff um is is rough and then the kennedy match sucks at the rumble so like it's i think he gets it back together in time for the taker stretch so i would say that's his worst little stretch and it's brief other than you know when he's green in the beginning but do you think they do that often where like they so like a guy comes back from an injury and they kind of rush him back up to the main event right mm-hmm. away, as opposed to kind of letting him get his legs doing simpler matches. I would agree. Yeah, I think he just wasn't. I think he needed to get the rust off because at that point, too, he wasn't like the best worker quite yet. Like he was no. really good, but like he was still working. He was still growing. So, you know, I think if that happens later, he could probably ease back in quicker. But like in, yeah. in 14, when he comes back, it's, it doesn't take much, you know. No, a couple of matches with Alberto Del Rio and. Right, that's nice stock. <laughs> Here we go. All right, so who's your 25? My 25 is AJ Styles. Okay, I have him at uh, 23. Okay, well, look, I mean, you know, an incredible career mm-hmm. so so far. Still not over. Um, I would say post-2018, it, it's all a little disappointing. Right. But, but I think we've talked about this with AJ, where it's like the expectations for his matches are just— It's unfair. Yeah, it's, it's unfair. unfair. But then again, he can deliver them, right? So, so it's like, he's just not that guy. I think physically, he he had to dial it down. Like, I think I think he's just he went through so many wars in his prime. To me, it's like a team like the Yankees against like Randy Johns or something, right? Like, like maybe a bad comp because he was kind of really bad with them. But like this dude was was at his peak and an impeccable worker for so long, and then he finally gets the WWE. But it's at the end of his career. Like he had two great years left, and then he's like he had to reinvent himself as a worker because of his body starting to, you know, break down a bit and because of the schedule is more intense. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, you know, he, it's almost like comparing his run now to like, it feels a lot like Ric Flair where it's like, Oh, you know, I don't like the 2005 Ric Flair because he's not 89. Well, it's like, it's not fair to say by the same token to be like, I don't like 2020 AJ styles because it's not 2013 when he's in new Japan. Right. And he saw some fun stuff in there. Like I liked him and almost when they won the tag titles, <laughs> like that was yeah. fun. He's celebrating. 
And you still get some good stuff after the, the match of Brock, you know, is after his big run. I think the Nakamura series definitely hurt a little bit with him because I think that the expectations are so high. And I think the two of them are in the same boat. Like they just came in after their real peak and we're starting to break down and wrestle a little bit of a different style. Um, so I think they're similar in that regard. And then you stick them together with high expectations. I actually think a good comp for him is perfect just at a higher level. Like I think, you know, expectations of perfect are always so high and it just, he put on good stuff, just not classics. And I right. think the back end of AJ has felt like that. It's just that AJ also has like, you know, multiple years worth of classics to carry him higher up the card. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually a really interesting comp. Um, it's funny that that Nakamura series gets so maligned, but like the worst match is probably like three and a half stars. That's oh yeah. It's still really good. Everyone's just expecting the new Japan stuff. So that's it. Uh, and it's funny, like, I will say the one thing that I find disappointing about AJ Styles is that I'm last time I had him at 28. And I remember mm-hmm. there were some people that didn't want him on the list last time, even though he'd had that. I think he'd had two years at that point. Right. Right. And it wasn't long enough and stuff like that. I had him at 28. And if you had told me at the end uh, when I when I ranked him last time that he would only go up three or four slots, I would have been shocked. Right. And for me, he he went down one. That's it. Like you would imagine, okay, like you know, in five, if we if we were going to do this again in five years, he's probably right. top twenty. Yeah. Yeah, he just because right, we were doing it in seventeen. He was still peaking. Um, it's just yeah. Since then, it's definitely been a slow, a very slow decline. But it's there physically. It's just there, and they protect him more. But he does still have some great stuff in there for sure. Of course, it's just his stuff now just looks a little bit more mm-hmm. choreographed. Yeah, the speed is just gone. I, I think that's another point for Ray why he's so great is that that speed never really left. <laughs> like, right. like he somehow maintained that speed like for a long time. Um, just a little it's, run in, I'd yeah. say like two thousand six to eight. Well, he gets so bloated, and, yeah. yeah. And then Benoit dies, and they all get off the gas, so helps. Uh, all right, my uh, so where are we at? My twenty four was Slaughter. We talked about him. My twenty three is AJ. We talked about him. Okay, so we're at my 23, because my 24 is Batista. Uh, my 23 is the ultimate warrior. Okay, he is my 22. Fuck, look at us. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think I think my position on the ultimate warrior is quite clear. Yes. <laughs> uh, one of the greatest of all time. Whenever he was put in a position to have... Uh, He's the opposite of these other guys, right? I know, right? And, and like, I mean... He doesn't really have bad. He's got like one or two bad matches. Right. Like he, for for a guy who's maligned as a bad worker, I can think of the Hercules matches bad uh, at WrestleMania four, uh, the Lawler match, which is you know even that's fine, and the Goldust match. But I can't really think of many other bad matches he's mm-hmm. like. Right. And then he's got all the classics. So. A lot of classics, and and just a guy that. Again, like, I don't want to hear that, oh, well, he was just carried by such and such, carried That's by it. such, like, it's not, if you watch those matches, he, he's not being carried, and, you know, my stance is that he was carrying Rude in those yeah. matches, that's where I'm at now, on those, uh, the Savage match is great, both of them, the Hogan match is an all-timer, the Hunter squash, like, yeah, he's oh, just, best. I mean, plus, you just gotta factor in the mythology of returning and dying the next day, it's just, like, absurd, <laughs> most crazy. absurd thing in wrestling history that doesn't get talked about enough that he finally returned and somehow died two days after his return. Um, this is crazy. So yeah, I, I mean, I look, this list is riddled with guys that you're going to put aside there outside the ring stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I, there's only two that you and I both kind of 
taken to task and you know well, there's Ben people. Wansnuka, right? They right. Kill they kill people. people. So to us that's that's the line. That's the um line. but I mean if you really start nitpicking everything, it's just you're not gonna have anyone, right? Because every, everyone on the, on the list pretty much is either has shitty views or done shitty things or it was a shithead. So uh but in the ring, whatever, like that's what we're basing this on. So he um his resume is on you know is is up there. So it's, and he's is a superstar that crossed over. As well. it's, imp- it's impeccable. His resume is impeccable. Right. And then we didn't even talk about the magnetism, the character. Like, <laughs> I think the only knock you could say is that it was so brief, but yeah. it is what it is that he burns out quick um, because of those backstage issues. But yeah, I, I mean, when he's there, it's, you know, even the taker moment, right. When he gets locked in the cat, like he's got so many big moments. Shango with the, the voodoo, like all this stuff just holds, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, he's always going to be high on my list. All right, so where are we at? My, tw- no, your 22? That was, or is my 23? Your 23 was? Styles. Styles. My 22 is Warrior. My 22 is Chris Jericho. Okay, I have him at 16. Do you want to wait? If you'd like. Yeah, we can wait on him. So who's your 21? Who's your 21? Uh, well, who's yours? Roman Reigns. Me too, buddy. Roman Me too. Roman Reigns. <laughs> All right. Very nice. I think he's going to rise, though, maybe. <laughs> um, I don't think he will for me. I think this is probably as high as he goes. Because. Uh, yeah, I guess when you look at the guys above him. Yeah. And like, I mean, look, like. He's having. Man, I, I find him so difficult to, to talk about because yeah. like. It's like, okay, every main event match where he's defending the title is incredible. Mm-hmm. They're all incredible matches. And they feel like a big deal. Yep, because now they're starting to spread them out, which is good. Right, right. they feel like a spectacle. They feel like an event. It feels like a big-time fighter. Yeah. They've actually, they've actually done a nice job. Like, they took the best parts of Brock and have used Roman's availability to improve upon it, right? So, like, right. they've turned him into a Brock-type guy that only has big spectacle fights on big ma- on big pay-per-views, but use him on TV more than they used Brock because he's available yeah. more. So it's like, they can use him and, like, the bloodline and him and this and shit, like, he's good at the segments, and they can still have the matches feel special because he's not a ton of them. Right. I, I just really struggle with... I'm so not interested in him as a character. Right. And I think it's because when he turned and fought Jey Uso, I thought that was some of the most brilliant shit they'd done in forever. Mm -hmm. It felt real. It felt raw. It was different. It was a whole thing about like how he was like the head of the table and needed to be acknowledged by his family because he supports his family and this and that. And I think now it's become a diluted version of that right? as an act. And it's not to take away from how good he is. It's just Mm -hmm. what they've done with the act now has made me, I I don't even watch, I can't even, I'll watch, I'll go back and watch his matches, but I'm not interested at all. I think it's just a natural evolution of any character or angle. Like even... I just think it always settles into like whether it's Stifler, Kramer, or Roman Reigns, right? Like it's right. like that is always going to become watered down. I mean, even even freaking Tony Soprano at some point, you know, like they all just become 
the most tropey version of what it could be at some point. Like the peak of the characters whittles. There are some that hold longer than others, but I feel like that always is going to eventually win out. Or, or yeah, or at least they've also changed the character though. Like right, in, right. In, what, in what I think are negative ways. So in that when he was fighting Jey Uso and even Kevin Owens early, he'd win his matches. Mm-hmm. Like he'd bludgeon his opponent. Like there's some I'd, I'd never seen besides Brock, I guess. It's super rare to have a heel who's tough, right? And now we're back to just, okay, the Usos jump in. Okay, uh, the new Uso jumps in. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's, 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 we're back. It's, it, they're booking him now the same way as they book Jinder Mahal's matches. <laughs> right. Where it's like he's, you know, he's about to get beat and then everybody jumps in. And yeah, okay, that's the, that's the old Ric Flair booking too. But this was lining up to be something different. And so I guess my disappointment in that, and not that they need to do everything for me, obviously not, but like my disappointment is that, man, I just thought there was something interesting and unique they were doing, and then they shifted it back to their usual. Right. Well, at some point, they just got so many hours to fill TV, and it was easier to do that stuff when you're not in front of live crowds. You can kind of pace things differently. Like now I think that they're back in front of live action. Like I feel like you have to – they might feel like they have to deliver more consistently – and do different things versus just like whittle away weeks at a time on that. I, I guess if they did different things, I'd be okay. Right. But it's, it's the company MO of not doing that. But that being said, he's an incredible performer. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the run is good. I don't mind that he's champion. I think it's inter- like, there's something interesting about him holding that belt forever. Right. right? And seeing like who finally beats him. It's gotta be Cody. Right. I would assume, but the big question is, how do they get the other belt off him? <laughs> That's right. like they're gonna have to do some kind of multi-man match at some point and have him lose without getting pinned to get one of those off of him. I think, and then I would think Cody beats him at Mania. Yeah, or you just have one champion. I mean, you could also. I, what I think would be cool if they're gonna keep two belts is have him fight both nights of Mania, mm. like each belt on one night and if you wanted to lure the rock back you know like maybe he beats the rock night one and loses to cody night two or something like that yeah maybe no way rock uh oh rock would put him over he's not gonna win the title no i meant no way rock's going on number one late night number one yeah probably not well austin did yeah but rock is different yeah um all right well i mean look if you would have said in 2017 he was well actually did you have him high last time no, I had him in the 40s. And just one more thing on Reigns. I had him at 32, like, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I, for for as good as this run is, and I think it's, I do think it's mm-hmm. very good, like, 2014 to 2017, pretty rough run. Yeah, even though I think you and I were higher on him than most, because I don't think a lot of people probably even had him in the top 100 in 2017, and you and I both had him in the top half. So I think we were bullish more on most people, because when we were doing this list, don't forget, like, 17, he had the Taker match of Mania, which was, eh. you know, like, so there was still a lot up and down. I mean, I like his back end of uh, 15 quite a bit, like, when they finally, well, we liked, I like the beginning of 15, when he wins the Rumble and has the great match of Mania. Uh, and then once they put him with Ambrose and kind of straighten the ship out and he has the great match with Sheamus, it's really just that most of 16. That's, that's the rough stretch for him. Well, it's funny because the beginning of 16 is really good. Actually, I'd say 16 is way stronger a year than 15 for him. It's funny. Eh? We're opposite on that. Right. Because once he wins that title from triple H, he's got that whole series with AJ. And mm. there's a show that's right. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, so it's maybe it's just not as down as it seems. I don't know. I, I think it's just, um, yeah, I just think the. I think the perception just sucked. I think the Brian stuff just really hurt him. 
it was just bad timing. Like if Brian just never comes back in 15, like I think his whole run is different. Um, Cause it's like such a waste. It's like he comes back and essentially kneecaps reigns without meaning to. And then he's gone by April anyway, Brian. So it's like if he just, if his career until the comeback in 18 is done at, in June of 14, like I think reigns whole stretch is completely different. Maybe. I, I mean, it's also based on the foundation of like 10 years of like Cena and the crowd that's like, rejecting and then but they rejected him mainly because they wanted brian like I, I don't think there was anybody else if brian just doesn't come back at that rumble i i think like the reaction to reigns is not as bad i don't think it's as bad but i think you're still going to get that backlash because there were so many people that weren't into him like the, the push was not they could have done an organic push with him and they didn't yeah well like we've said it right because was it when he like he should have probably just eased in beat orton become u.s champion had that for a year yeah like right there's a way to do it then win the rumble in 16 maybe. he should have beat yeah he should have beat rusev right like i mean in theory but yeah like follow the warrior template that's it and then don't let him do like suffer and suck attach and all that right, shit, right. and then continue to push yeah all right all right well next time we're gonna start really hitting the heavy hitters uh, we'll be doing 20 to 11 so we're gonna have some big names so settle in for that uh we'll be back in two weeks with our next edition of our uh ranking every dodf uh e world heavyweight title change so we have uh, we're into 97 on that so we're starting to hit some interesting territory uh for those two uh for those that are fans of now entering the royal rumble we are going to be on a little bit of a hiatus on that uh just scheduling is just kind of chaotic right now so we'll be back eventually but right now um, that show is on pause. So if you're looking for it uh, over the next couple of months or so, it's just not going to be there for you. But the archives are. So if you're new to it, go back. There's plenty of episodes to check out in the back catalog where we rank uh, or, or break down every single horrible entrance performance. So beyond that, check out everything we have to offer here at the North South Connection. We appreciate all of your support, sharing, feedback, and beyond. Continue to bring it. We'll continue to talk about it. And everyone take care. Dookie's been dropped. Stop. Hammer time. Go with the boat. It is dead. Touch this. Look, man, you can't touch this. You better get a hype, boy, because you know you can't, you can't touch this. Ring the bell, school's back in. Break it down. Stop. Have a time. Every time you see me, that hammer's just